I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. The Dinner Party Show needs your support, and it's not going to cost you a dime. If you're getting ready to shop on Amazon, start at thedinnerpartyshow.com. Click through the Amazon Gold Box on our homepage. And a percentage of those purchases will help support the show at no extra cost to you. The same goes for all the buy links on our site, including our guest products and all the items featured in Christopher and Eric's favorites. Thank you for listening. And thank you for your support. And now it's time for another episode of The Dinner Party Show. Brought to you by you. Hi, I'm Jackie Collins, and you're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shawquin, and you're going to have a good time. I went to a marvelous party. Don't even know the facts. They go with their gut. Don't have only thing your gut cares about is money. Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. From the Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California, it's The Dinner Party Show, the Internet's first live comedy variety show with your hosts, New York Times best-selling authors, Christopher Rice. No, there's actually a new study that confirms every other child you see on the street is a ghost. <laughs> and Eric Shaw Quinn. I don't want to talk too much, but... Okay, no, no, no. We're going to take up a collection for the stained glass window. Now we want the dirt. Featuring reports from their largely unqualified staff of special correspondents. Sex is like Christmas. It's the not knowing what you're going to get that makes it exciting. New York is a giant trash island infested by has-been theater queens. If we're really serious about cutting federal spending, the biggest waste of public funds I can think of is Congress. Two snaps for Jesus! The Dinner Party Show. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you live and for free through the dinnerpartyshow.com and our free mobile app. And now, direct from the kitchen by way of the Get out of my office. It's your hosts, Christopher and Eric. Good evening, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and you're listening to the Dinner Party Show's livecast for September 20th, 2015. And tonight we will not be talking about an article on Slate.com headlined, A Brief History of Toilet-Based Animal Attacks. Oh, my God. We will not be discussing the animal species covered, the statistics included, or the recommended defensive measures. We will, however, note... That the article is a tongue-in-cheek, tongue excuse me, piece of link bait oh. that gives a ridiculous focus to an extremely rare and not very dangerous event. That's good. We will also note the article was tweeted just this morning by former dinner party show guest Adam Robitel, oh. which means we will not be telling you the episode number of Adam's appearance, and mm-hmm. we will not be encouraging you to download his interview, nor will we be mentioning the title of the film he just released. The Taking of Deborah. Logan. All right, that's enough. We're not talking about it or Adam on tonight. Tonight's live cast of the dinner party show. That's <laughs> so Adam. Uh, I can, you can never. You have to be careful about whatever you open. That Adam I, has. You have you. to be careful about whatever you open. Period. But particularly with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I really actually kind of stop. Anyway. Anyway. Off topic, But I digress. Yes. 
we cannot think of a reason to comment on hashtag hot debate guy except to wonder aloud that if a member of the audience was what was trending during the Republican debates, what does that say about the quality of the debates and the ideas being discussed? And that it was a Republican debate, we can only assume that it was the political equivalent of listening to an elderly drunk person yell at the news, but we'll never know. We won't. But thank goodness this highest-rated political debate of all time has plucked the hunky 24-year-old son of a real estate billionaire from obscurity and given him a chance to make something of himself that isn't based in any way on his talents, efforts, or abilities. (laughs) Otherwise, there would clearly have been no reason to put this reality show circus on CNN in the first place. The only comment that comes to mind on the whole matter is hashtag shut the fuck up. You gotta get that hashtag in. They're also not being discussed the fact that Carly Fiorina makes shit up. No. Especially if she saw it on video. Really? Or hasn't actually seen it on video and is Uh lying about having seen it on video. Oh dear. As was the case in the recent Republican presidential debate where she completely manufactured a scene from undercover videos taken at Planned Parenthood clinics Videos which failed to prove clinics were selling fetuses for medical research. Oh, God. And by manufactured, we mean she made this shit up, y'all. Oh, for God's sake. For the gory details, just Google Carly Fiorina makes shit up. (laughs) I'm serious. I literally Googled it. The results will be very helpful. And if she fails to become the president or vice president, maybe she can help reboot the Saw franchise because that's about the caliber of material she's currently bringing to the public arena. So now we can't download stuff from Adam Robitaille or Carly Fiorina. Exactly. Okay, heads up, everyone. They're working in tandem. All right, finally, we refuse to talk about the blood moon or the (laughs) idea that the end of the world will be decided by the phase of the moon, except to point out that the moon is always the same size and distance from the Earth. Moonlight or its absence is only a reflection of the sun and the shadow of the Earth. While we're as taken as the next nerd with astrological phenomenon, this so-called tetrad seems less phenomenal than usual. The blood moon is caused by the moon passing through the Earth's shadow, and then photographers will use filters on their camera to make the moon look way redder than it ever will be on the night of the 28th. And while we've heard of a supermoon before, they happen all the time, and we've never been able to tell the difference between super and economy-sized moons. But this is not the confluence that truly disturbs us here at the Dinner Party Show. No, we are far more troubled by the convergence of this moronic reaction to a purely mechanical function of the moon's reflection of light and the quality of last week's debates. (laughs) This cosmic crap trad leads us to the inevitable conclusion that Idiocracy wasn't just a bad movie, it was also the prophecy of the true decline of human civilization— we can only hope that the world will step back from the brink of stupidity and that Dak Shepard and Terry Crews will get better material. Mm-hmm. But we forbid the end of times to happen before my next book comes out. Indeed. Stay on which message. is the first. <laughs> October 1st. October 1st. Right murder. Right murder. And that is all we have to say about everything except for right murder. <laughs> As for everything else, especially right murder, it's still on the table on tonight's live cast of The Dinner Party Show. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Enjoy the hors d'oeuvres, but don't fill up. There's plenty more to come. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I guess we're back. And we're back. We're back. It was a very brief promo. We're back. 
to do all sorts of foolishness, and I'm going to do the best I can with my cold medicine, causing a sort of second throb inside of my skull. So you may want to listen to the show later at a slower speed (laughs) so that you can understand what Christopher is actually saying. Tonight will be the night Eric struggles to get a word in edgewise. (laughs) That'll never happen. Okay, we have a lot to talk about in the hors d'oeuvre this evening. Some of it it angering and some of it very sad. Yeah, Yeah. We're going to wait to get to that till the end. Okay. us into some focus okay. and perspective. As always, we ask you to leave us reviews on iTunes, and we promise that we will read the most clever line from the most recent review. And this week, that review was written by party person favorite, Samiko Salson, who says... Samiko. So she sobered up and left us a comment. Way to go. After last week's drunk dialing incident, we were starting to be a little concerned. Is it intervention time? <laughs> That was the summer. Everyone's drunk. Everyone's drunk during it's the summer. It's too hot to be sober just now. She writes, the variety of offbeat characters are treated with knowing affectionate mockery, like they're your weird alcoholic uncle with the pull my finger jokes. Oh. Isn't that lovely? So, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Also, another brief reminder that tickets are now on sale for the Gathering of the Ancients Ball. This is the annual gathering of the Anne Rice Fan Club, which is happening Halloween weekend in New Orleans. you don't have to be ancient to attend, even though, you know, I will be. Nobody else has to be. Not as ancient as Eric was the original title, but they scrapped it because it... It it didn't test as well. Didn't test as well and had nothing to do with Anne Rice, who was the guest of honor. However, we will be having a party to celebrate the release of Wright Murder, Eric Shaw Quinn's forthcoming murder mystery, and that will happen the weekend of the Gathering of the Ancients Ball. And if you would like to be invited to that party, message us on Facebook. Right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll be signing books and talking about it, but also, yeah, check into those tickets. I went last year to the, what was it called last year? The Coronation Ball. The Lestat Ball. But it's always the Lestat Ball. And I believe Um, Shea Butters will be posting a link. astonishing. So yeah, so yeah, Shea will post a link and uh, we will definitely be there. And I believe our friend Brian Fuller will be joining us Here's there hoping. as well. Fingers, I, fingers crossed. crossed. We'll keep you posted on that. But if you're a fanable and you're still listening after last week, you might want to consider you could get might get a chance to see old Brian Fuller in person. And that is a nice segue into the fanables to let us. We have a giveaway that's going to happen tonight. Oh my God! Brian is the most generous guest. He brought us just bags of swag, and we have come up with an amazing. I, I think it's this posted is our, on the Instagram. sound of our lotto bowl. It's posted on our Instagram account, the underscore dinner underscore party underscore show. cool t-shirt and a vinyl record of the soundtrack and um, a book about the making of of the show. So it's amazing. And that's just one of the many swag prizes that Brian has bought by. And we have a winner now. And our winner is, this was not rigged. You heard me drawing from the hat. Samiko Salson, you are the winner of our first Hannibal prize pack. Congratulations, Samiko. You really did draw that out. Like, it is really random. Pays to prank call. I'll it tell you that Pays much. to prank call us on the the party line. I just forgot the name of it all just of a sudden. There. The I'm, just getting, I'm really the ancients, after all. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's... Uh, one eight hundred. What is it? What's the number? It's Pez three two three two three Pez TDPS. The dinner party show. I think you said B TDPS. I even got the show's name wrong. You, how is my cold medicine throwing you off? I think tonight? it's really time for me to look and you know to homes in the area. Shady Pines. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't make me laugh, Quinn, because I'm going to start coughing. Um, John Wilder is here with us tonight. Oh my God, legendary TV writer, TV legend. If you've seen television in the last. 
Well, if you've ever seen it, since they invented it, yeah. you've seen either him on, on screen or his work. He is responsible for some of the best and most remarkable television and radio um, ever made. Just he worked a, a, with Jack an Benny. An astonishing guest, right? We're going to talk to him as about a, was a, that. As a child, but still, I was still Jack Benny. He worked and with Jack Benny when Jack Benny was a child? Oh, yeah, that was that would be real. There, there was no radio yeah. then. They were still doing comedy on clay tablets. But John has written a new murder mystery called Nobody Dies in Hollywood. Yeah, and it's available for pre-order at the no Dinner Party Show. Nobody, nobody dies nobody in dies Hollywood. Nobody dies in one. Available for pre-order at thedinnerpartyshow.com. We're celebrating murder mysteries this week as we lead up to the release of Right Murder and Nobody Dies in Hollywood. And it, did we ask John about his favorites? Did we... Oh, we're going to get him to talk about it. It's about his favorite, favorite murder mysteries. Yeah, so we're going to start mysteries. doing uh, murder mystery favorites on the favorites page of the Dinner Party Show. All this... M- well, I'm going to call it month, but it's really like month and a half. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's the, the month and a half send off because then we have to start promoting Christopher's next book. Oh, yes. Kiss the Flame, the next Desire Exchange novella, comes out in November. Right. We're going to get Tanya Lee Musgrave to do a, a Palm Springs based or, or Miss promotional Sam's. spot. For, I, uh, I think there's an Eric Shaw Quinn who hasn't read Kiss the Flame, but I'll get you a copy. I have not. You I know have not. somebody. Okay, let's get this next thing out of the way so we can talk about. What's Some really sad important. news, what's really important. So, okay, here's the deal with an actor named Tom Hardy in a little blog post that I posted about him. Um, I don't think anyone is obligated to answer any questions in an interview that they don't want to answer. And I didn't say in my blog post that I think he should have answered the question. What I said is I don't believe the question itself is offensive. If you haven't heard the story, uh, where have you been? You know, it's been all over everywhere. Certainly Christopher's blog. And so there were a fair number of people who responded, some of them diplomatically on my Facebook page and on the blog post itself, saying um, that this is personal and that this was simply an actor trying to keep his personal life from being invaded. <laughs> At a press conference. At a press conference. Let me submit to you that it is not possible to invade someone's privacy by quoting statements they have already made on the record. And really, I have to say, I have to give the credit to Noah Michelson at the Huffington Post, because he said it better than any of us could in about the middle of the week. I don't consider my sexual orientation to be private. I think unless you're willing to return wedding invitations, gay and straight from your friends with a note that says, I'm sorry, this is just too personal, you can't involve me, then people don't really understand what it means to declare that simple fact too personal to ask about in a public setting. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Like, And so I think... If somebody had said, do you do your wife missionary in the living room? You know, do you have any strange uh, sexual fetishes or kinks that you want to talk about in this press conference? That's a, bit, that's the in- a little over the right. line. Right. The indignation would have, you know, I, I would have understood that. Yeah. But I think this is someone who has given very explicit personal interviews about other areas of his life, not related to his sexuality, but also related to his sexuality. I think if you're going to be a Jodie Foster or a Donna Tartt, the novelist who's very personal, and you draw that line really thickly and you say... No one's getting across this line. This is my private life. I totally respect that. I don't believe in aggressively outing people. But as you pointed out, Eric Shaw Quinn, it was the treatment in the media that was the most disturbing to me. Yeah, Expertly that, that shuts was really down the, this. Yeah. the part that really did put me off was everybody acting like somehow his response to the 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 reporter was like, this justified, he, you know, he put him in his place properly for asking a question. The guy was playing an openly gay gangster in a movie and the topic of yes. sexuality in a very general sort of way. And the question, yeah. I didn't think it was a great question. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. it was sort of meh yeah. as questions go. But like the response was very sort of like, 
I, I, I've had the same reaction to the character who's playing the gay character on um, how, to how to Get, get away, away With Murder. murder. Yeah. I honestly am never going to watch the show again because he so offended me by acting as though asking about that aspect of his life was somehow this offensive thing. Like, the, the part that I think people are not getting is that it is offense. Being asked if you are gay is not offensive. It is not. It is Being not gay offensive. is not a bad thing. It is and not. if you react as though it is, then you're saying that there is something wrong with being gay. Exactly. And that is offensive to gay people. And that's the point that I and think- And stop really saying, sort of, as Jack Vallahi on How to gay, Get Away with Murder said, and as some people have said in defense of Tom Hardy, stop saying that nobody is asked about their heterosexuality. That's a lie. Oh, we, we, oh my God. That's, that's so the, ridiculous. I can't even Heterosexuality is promoted Are you getting married? Are you dating? Are you yeah. having a baby? Are you going to yeah. have a baby? Are you guys- planning to have children right. like every celebrity on the red carpet promotes their career Gwyneth Paltrow's career is entirely attributable to who she's dated and that doesn't make you a Kardashian everybody brings up the Kardashians the Kardashians released a sex tape to make their yeah, daughter that's, famous that's I, not the same thing that's, that's a false equivalency it's a it, you know any, anyway so we, we could were, have talked about this the whole show but we got some news this weekend that we also want to talk about I, yeah, I which really just took yeah. me down last night I just could not I, I still can't quite believe it um I would say two months ago, she was sitting directly across right from there. where we're sitting now. She was vibrant. She was healthy. She was. She had uh, a great appetite. She went after right, those cookies ate, and those sandwiches. Yeah, and and uh, J- Jackie Collins is gone. She passed away yesterday. She won't after be joining a, us at the table anymore. And I, I'm sad about that. I can't. How many times since that interview did you quote her to me in private conversations oh we were having about writing? And we the talked writing about process? all the time. Like she's even in the uh, synopsis. We referenced her in the synopsis to write yeah. murder. She is. Like she really, I she was so gracious and so generous, such a lovely guest yeah. and such a wonderful person. Like and a, a absolute legend as a writer, as a novelist. Not a moment of pretentiousness Never. or acting like she was too good to be Never. here or that this was beneath her. And to find out later, we kept her after her last appearance to do um, an interview that we were going to air later in the, the year. The second about interview, yeah, her the cameo. Sharknado. It's actually her third interview with the dinner party show. Right. But, uh, and she stayed and was willing to, even though she'd just gotten back from this book tour, and even though she was waging this private battle against breast cancer that we knew nothing about. Right, apparently. and it had been for six years. Yeah. I, I, just, I, I just, I I was so much, I, I was so t- taken aback yeah. by the news. I just, I could not have believed it. You could have said it of any of the guests yeah. who'd been on the show, I and actually, I would not have been any more surprised. A friend sent me a text message, and I said, you're mistaken. I actually said, no, you're saying it's not true. Like I, I was like that character yeah. in a TV show. And who, then you, it was you know. in Daily Variety, so we it knew it. It was everywhere. Well, the, I think the family posted a statement on her Facebook page, and that's pretty unassailable yeah. when, you get, when you get it from there. But there have been so many rumors lately of celebrity deaths that have not been true. I thought, this is just one of those. Well, I said, icky. Yeah, there have, I mean, Betty, yeah, Betty White, there's a fake news article that makes it sound oh, like she God's died. sake. You know, like... In, <laughs> Like, yeah. Oh, my God. The um, internet is so strange. Anyway, I, the point is, Jackie, we will miss you. Like, it was just really such an you. honor to have you on the show. And um, as a, it, in, in tribute, we, yes. we used her as the opening tonight. It'll be the last time we'll retire that greeting. That would be a bit much, I think, to keep using. But we, we will do, um, as part of this week, we will be re-airing um, 
her guest appearances here. Yeah, immediately after this live show, I think we'll start with one of her one of her appearances on the show, and then we will run them in rotation with the most recent show, as we always do. With the do. show with John that we're doing yeah, tonight. Calling so. it the Jackie-thon in honor of her right. memory. And our wonderful guest. Uh, we'll miss you, Jackie. We will miss you. Thanks for stopping by. We were blessed to have you. There's always by. tea and sandwiches here if you decide to stop back, right. although we'll probably be a little startled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, John Wilder will be with us later, but Can't I think wait. in the meantime, I Jordan Ampersand is at it again. He's investigating He's relentless. stuff. I swear to God. I don't know what his deal is. I Let's would ask what out. I've done to piss him off, but everybody, I, I think, I think everybody know. knows. I yeah. think that yeah, trying to obvious. electrocute him was probably right up there. All right. One of the things. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where the soup is hot, but the heads are hotter. Is our criminal justice system biased against the cute? Are unicorns real? What are books? Why are you Asian? Does breathing make you gain weight? What does the president do? Why is there a Y and an O in the word you? Isn't the letter U enough? Jordan, proud of blow! Jordan Ampersand Investigates starts now. God help us all. Books. What are they? Do we really need them? Is the fact that they keep getting smaller and smaller really just a sign that nobody wants them around? Here at Jordan Ampersand Investigates, we decided to tackle the important question of books. What the fuck? So we traveled to Dumb Bitch, South Carolina to visit the first ever anti-book club to see what they had to say about the books they aren't reading. Yeah, it's pronounced Dumitch, Jordan. Dumitch, South Carolina. Brandon, go do something with Legos. <sighs> Not that you would know, but the plural of Lego is actually Lego. There's only one Lego company, not multiple companies. Oh, excuse me, Lego. (laughs) Oh, I get it. You want to do sound for your own sketch. I'll see you later. Wait, stop. I'm sorry, Lego. Well, I'm Miss Jean Ludite, and I started the Anti-Book Club because there were so many book clubs popping up in our neighborhood. Those of us who won't read felt that our freedom of expression was being violated. Wait, how is not reading an expression of something, Miss Luddite? It's Ludite, and oh. you'll just have to ask God, young man. Uh, uh, okay, so what books have you all not read? Well, that's easy. You see, we just keep track of what my sister's book club is reading, and then we meet and come up with reasons not to read it. Very interesting. For instance, last month, they read a book called Station Eleven. We decided not to because we couldn't tell if they were tents on the cover or some kind of sea anemone. I don't much care for the ocean, you see. Very interesting. Well, what do y'all think of this book? Right Murder by Eric Shaw Quinn, otherwise known as my nemesis. Well, we don't read any books, so not much, I'd say. Okay, well, I brought it so your anti-book club could say horrible things about it because I'm sure it's terrible. Young man, haven't you been listening? We don't read any books at all. Yeah, 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 I 
I got that part. I thought this up before I figured out what you actually are. Doesn't your show have the word investigates in the title? Oh, good. You can read something. Excuse me? Ladies, based on the cover of this book, Write Murder, why would you not read this in your anti-book club, aside from the fact that it's sure to be terrible because my nemesis wrote it? What's up with all those bright colors? I don't much like books that are about fun. I see nothing on that cover that suggests the presence of a god who hates gay marriage. He's drawing a mustache on that poster of a lady. It sounds like a lot of malarkey. Is there more wine? Oh my god, you're all awful and you're making the book sound better. Young man, we are a private club. We're not here to serve your agenda. Why don't you go visit another anti-book club that might be better suited to your needs? There isn't another anti-book club. You're the only one because it's a stupid idea. <gasps> Why are you wasting time talking about something you don't want to do? As you can see, dumb bitch South Carolina definitely lived up to its name, and their cops weren't hot at all. Brandon, you don't even play the cello. I've decided to learn. Whatever. Okay, tonight is a growing moment for Jordan Ampersand Investigates as we put the anti-book club behind us and reaffirm our commitment to bringing you people who will actually read Eric Shaw Quinn's new book so they can say horrible things about it. I'm Jordan Ampersand, and this has been Jordan Ampersand Investigates. Yeah, or Jordan Ampersand doesn't investigate. Brandon! Tired of dining alone? Enjoy the dinner party show with friends. Like us on Facebook and become one of our party people. Then, during our live shows on Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, you can join the conversation and post questions for Christopher, Eric, and their guests. During the week, drop in for tasty side dishes, show updates, and fun with the other party people. The Dinner Party Show. You are the life of our party. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Almost. Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now, it's time for The Dish. We hope you kept your silverware. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And we have trapped John Wilder. He is in the hot seat. Right? We've been talking with him about the amazing Jack Benny. As a child, John worked with Jack Benny on the air, and they had a band together, the the Beverly, the Beverly Hills... Beavers? Jack had a band called Spike Benny and the Beverly Hills Hillbillies. Ah. And I, for five years, I was the vocalist. In addition to appearing <laughs> on the show and pretty much all the other shows, if you've seen, as I said earlier, if you've seen television pretty much at all, yes. you've seen either John or something that he produced or wrote or directed or all of the above. So I have a surprise question mm. based on that premise. If you had to go back in time and work on any of those projects forever... Which project would it be? Centennial. Huh. Oh. Centennial, based on the James Michener novel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And why is that? What an undertaking. It was worth doing for openers. I mean, it was, you know, a, a definitive 
ecological editorial about the West, mm-hmm. and um, it was it was worth doing, and it was you know a, a great great story. It was fun to dramatize. It's I I was talking about this on Facebook with, uh, a while ago. The the big novel like Michener wrote, like where is it gone? Like I can't imagine a, an epic novelist like that outside of high fantasy, right? Or the like commitment of, of the NBC was yeah. it uh, to do a twenty-six part adaptation? Like th- those kinds of like that would be considered a full-fledged series today. But but yes. I think it's still referred yeah. to as a miniseries. Is that it's correct? T- well, yes. And at the time, it was in effect the longest film ever made because it had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm-hmm. Um, quite an undertaking, and and. A great experience, a lot of fun. Yeah, excellent. Well, that you would work. Where on did it? that novel go? Um, I don't know that there are many people that really want to sit down and read books that I, long. That's enough. what I'm afraid of. Yeah. That's what I'm afraid of. They, well, Ken Follett. Ken has, Follett. Yeah, yes. certainly. And I would say John Irving has definitely right. kept the page count up there. And your mom can. Yeah, she's, she can she's chew the page verbose. occasionally, but yes, it but isn't every as page typical. is so delicious. I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> you don't How want you not want those many pages? Uh, and if if people didn't hear us say it five times before, you adapted Feast of All Saints for yes. Showtime. And, and was... as I was reading, my wife and and uh, daughters were huge fans of your mother's work, and Feast was actually the first that I read, and I thought this is like biting into a juicy peach. Mm-hmm. I mean, her prose is just so beautiful. Um, and that was a great story. Again, yeah. that was a story worth telling. Yeah, absolutely. And worth telling in that format, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's... for the, Eric and I have both had experiences trying to sell our work in Hollywood, and there's always the sense of, how can we run it through a cheese grater to make it a two-hour, trending, popular-style film? Whatever's popular at the moment. It's either needs to be a thriller with a female protagonist or what. And there's a sense, I think, some that that's going away now in the age of Game of Thrones, where cable is adapting more. But for a while there, the miniseries was just sort of out. They just kind of stopped doing it. Well, they weren't sure they could bring um, an audience back night after night. Right. In fact, the Roots was uh, scheduled to go over, I don't know how how long it was, 12 or 13 hours. Wow. It was scheduled to go over 12 or 13 weeks. And Fred Silverman, when he took that network over, um, said, I can't have this. i got to blow it off in one week and get it out of the way. Wow. And it became, you well, it know was, what happened. It was it a was, sensation. It was great so, programming. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a great, but that was an accident. He just was trying to, to burn through it. Yeah. Well, it worked great. Whatever he was planning, it, it really worked out for Most the Most things he planned worked pretty well. Yeah, he, he <laughs> had a pretty good track record yes, out there. Yes, he did. So the book, uh, your novel, is called Nobody Dies in Hollywood. And it I ha- is. I ha- it's a detective. It's a PI thriller. Is that an app yes, description? Yes. So I, I have to ask, as the writer, and we have a lot of writers who listen to the show, just emerging and established and at all different levels of their career. When you've got a book like Centennial sitting on your desk, uh-huh. right? And you're getting ready to adapt it. Or you have the idea for a, your own novel sitting on your desk. What's the angle of incidence? How do you attack it? Is it a similar sort of approach? Do you... You know, mm, is it like you were? No. no. Okay. No, 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 no. Yeah. I think your mother asked me a question once. We were, we were on a on a way to a, a publicity event, and we're riding in the limousine, and she said, as a total non sequitur, she said, "John, tell me, why did you do it?" <laughs> and I thought, what? <laughs> I thought about it a second, and I said, you mean, why did I tell your story the way you wrote it? And she smiled and said, yes. And I said, because it's your story. Right. 
I'm a dramatist. I, I, I'm a filmmaker. I, I know how to make film work. And any time I adapt something, I, I don't ever take the position that it's mine now. Mm. It's, it's the author's. Mm-hmm. It's like that old story about uh, the astronaut who got lost for 10 years and came back to Earth. And they said, so, so where were you? And he said, well, I was in heaven. He said, you were in heaven? Did, did you see God? Well, yes. Well, tell us, what's he like? said, well, first of all, she's black. <laughs> and so many times you see adaptations, and you've read the book, and you've loved it, and you see the film or the television adaptation, and you say, what are they doing? Right, right. This was a great story. Why mess with it? Right. Uh, I don't think a screenwriter's ego should come into it, I think. Uh, especially I, with, with books is, is I have to agree with yeah, you. I yeah. have left the theater with blood in my eye on more than one occasion after seeing an adaptation of some work. The the one that just sends me over the edge is Troy, where I was like, "So really? So you're going to do a better job? <laughs> <laughs> you're going to you're going to remake this story right. to fit yeah. what you think it should be and not the uh, incredible legend. I, I, I just, I, I occasionally just, I, one of them was, uh, oh, it was the Brian De Palma adaptation of uh, not oh, Carrie. No, it's the, uh, it's the, uh, 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 oh, I can't believe it's Thinking not coming to Thinking of all Brian De Palma films. It's, it's the, it's the Tom Wolfe book that oh, he did. Oh, the Bonfire of the Vanities. Bonfire of the Vanities. Oh, yes. I was like, yeah. What, what, what were you thinking? <laughs> what is this movie? What, what does this have to do? This is one of my favorite books of all time. Okay. What, what have you done? Okay, but I'm going to add in a little wrench into the previous question oh, we're oh. talking about. I, we interviewed Terry Hayes on the show who wrote um, Mad Max, the first Mad Max movie mm. with George Miller. And he published a novel recently as well called I Am Pilgrim. And he said once he was halfway into it, he realized he was terrified because if it went wrong, there would be nobody else to blame. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. Did you have moments of that on Nobody Dies in Hollywood? Hollywood, where you're like, okay, this is my baby, start no, to finish. Well, it is, and, and no, I didn't. I've, I love detective fiction. Um, uh, wanted to get, try my hand at it. Always and, been a dream, or? Well, I just, I've always liked it um, because of the nature of the, the protagonist. Where'd you start? Who got you hooked? Who got me hooked? Well, actually... Oh, you mean initially? Yeah, yeah. on oh. the on the on the the mysteries. My first is Arthur is, Conan is, is, Doyle. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. My first is uh, Nancy Drew. Is Carolyn King? Oh, like, when I was a kid, like lie, if I could wake up on a summer morning and lie in bed and read a whole Nancy Drew story before I had to get up and do anything, it was the perfect day. Uh-huh. Like yeah. I just, you know, I was a kid. And then, oh my God, Sherlock Holmes! Please, anything with that name on it. Are you Absolutely. watching the the series on PBS, the Georgian Cumber- author? That's oh. Began to watch that right two nights oh ago, yes. Yeah. yeah, the finale is tonight. I can't wait to find out what happened. But anything about him. What do you think of Cumberbatch's recent adaptation of him? It's brilliant. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. But what has he ever done that isn't brilliant? Right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> if he absolutely. was alive today, this is who Sherlock Holmes would be. I just, I can't Well, it's the young that. Holmes. It's the young Holmes we don't necessarily like. I mean, he's so arrogant. And, oh, right, and, right. You know, it's, did you see Mr. Holmes, the film that was yes, out last year? Yes, we loved it. Oh, now. my God, such what a What did you think of Mr. Film. Holmes? Oh, I thought it was wonderful. It was really wonderful. Just. Yeah. Uh, so unexpected. Going from Cumberbatch to Ian Richardson, uh, you get the whole... 
yeah, the whole span of the, the whole of, span of yeah. his life. Yeah, right. absolutely. That whole, the, the, and and still again capturing. Well, this would have to be how he is in retirement. Like just oh. as Cumberbatch is like, this is how he would be in real life if he was alive in, in modern, contemporary. In we contemporary would pathologize life. him and say this man is crazy. Yeah, he never <laughs> shuts up, or, or at least has some sort of personality disorder. And the same is true. Like with the, I felt with the Mr. Holmes, it was like, of course, this is how he would be. Yeah. I kept wanting it to be. A Sherlock Holmes mystery, and it was like, no, no, that's not what we're going to do. It still was, but it was a Sherlock Holmes mystery told in that context. Just a beautiful thing. It was brilliant. And who stole the picture? Oh, that kid. Kid. Well, the kid was great, but oh, Laura Linney. <laughs> oh, she was I mean, great too. Anytime yeah. you see Laura Linney in a cast, you know it's going to be. Well, and it's really just the three of them. It's mm-hmm. such a tiny, perfect. I was going to say the real estate. I thought it was great British <laughs> yeah. country house porn. That <laughs> was great. Yeah, that, that I have to tell you, that but house really I, did a lot I'm to set st- everything. Steer us back to the more contemporary detective novelists like Ross yes. McDonald and Raymond Chandler because I'm obsessed with them and I love mm-hmm. talking about them. And Were they influences on you here? Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, you asked for three. Uh, right, we want to ask you about oh, your right. three favorite, your favorite mysteries. I was yeah. going to, for you know, I started to think, gee, I could pick up Sherlock right. Holmes and read it any time now. Um, Dashiell Hammett. Oh, okay. Who really broke the mold? Mm-hmm. Um, except historically, in terms of American character, he was just continuing James Fenimore Cooper, if you right. will. Right, right, yeah. Um, hmm. But. Um, Lost my train of thought, Chris. So, but which Dashiell Hammett was? It, oh, would you oh, say the Maltese I, Falcon I would just or say, the Thin Man? Or? I, 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 hmm. The Thin Man. He started to change his <sighs> change the mold. He okay. He, he changed. I, I think the first one you want to look at is Red Harvest. Oh, I haven't read and, Red and Harvest. And then maybe the Dane Curse. Cool. Uh, and then second book would be have to be Chandler. Right. Right. And. The Big Sleep, Farewell, My Lovely. Let's yeah. go with The Big Sleep. There, it Again, it, because it was the first. Yeah, The Big Sleep. I've changed. There's a there's like a cult following for, I, what is it, The Long Kiss Goodbye. It's his biggest novel, and it's uh-huh. also the his long, most kind of convoluted. The Long Goodbye. The Long Goodbye. The Long yeah. Kiss Goodbye is that Gina Davis movie. <laughs> which is great, which, which is great but, 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 in a but not way. Raymond Chandler. But in a different way. Yeah, The Long Goodbye is... is, is Slang for uh, death. Yeah, yeah. But it was the denser, sort of more complicated one. Okay, so that's three. We've got Red Harvest but, by uh, Dash I'm going to give you Red Harvest, Dashiell Hammett, uh, The Big Sleep, okay. Chandler, and my friend Robert Parker's Early Autumn. Oh, oh. so Ross McDonald doesn't make the list. You know, I love, I've love. i read everything, Ross. Right. Probably more than once. It's so hard to just pick um, three of anything. But i got to give you Bob Parker. Well, you know, well, Hammett, for... Hammett broke them all. He, he, yeah. he wrote the first modern detective. Yeah. And Chandler perfected him, if you will. You always know what Philip Marlowe is, is thinking, what right. he will do and won't do. And they weren't so sure with Sam Spade. Yeah, right. Uh, and then Bob, um, ah, I'm going to tear up. Oh. Uh, well. Great pal. Yeah. Were you a fan before writer. you worked together? Um, yes, I was So it was like a dream? Fortunate to, to, to get to work with develop him? Develop. Spencer, he had done seven or eight paperback books, mm-hmm. and Warner Brothers asked me if I would adapt one for an ABC pilot. And we put it on the air, and uh, uh, Bob, of course, went the hard back and uh, yeah. started making a million dollars a book, which was pretty nice. But nice. just just one of the great guys and a fine writer. You can pick up 
especially his early books, you can pick, you can read a paragraph of Bob Parker's and say, "I got to read that again." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Such a wordsmith, so good, so is smart. It the, is it the focus and the clarity? I think that's what a great detective novel often offers: is just laser sharp clarity on human motive. Absolutely, yeah. and 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 he never lost track of the most important thing, which is the character of of the protagonist. Um, and, you know, whether he wins or loses. It, if he beats the corruption in the city, um, that's fine. But his real success is in that he doesn't let the city change him. Right, right. right. Yeah. He holds on to that integrity. Yeah. yeah. So he's a huge influence, obviously, and oh, on, yeah. on this book that oh, he yeah. dies in Hollywood. Absolutely. And what I tried to do, Chris, is put a – well, I pay homage to, to, uh, to Bob and Chandler, actually, because my character, my protagonist, is Michael Drayton. Mm-hmm. And if you know your Renaissance poets, Marlowe, mm-hmm. Spencer, <laughs> Drayton. Ah, Drayton. I didn't know that. You got me. <laughs> so, Drayton, I'm try, you know, trying to move that into the 21st century right. in, 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 by way of having a multi-ethnic um, Right, multi-ethnic lead because the face of America is not the same face that I grew up. Fifty percent of the children in America yeah. are non-white, and right. in Los Angeles in particular. Yeah. I mean, we're the a multicultural, most metropolis. culturally diverse yeah. place in the world. So my guy's dad was a stuntman who doubled John Wayne. His mm-hmm. mother was uh, a native of Haiti, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I wanted to tie him to. The cowboy culture of the West, which yeah. is tied directly to the medieval knights. And that's you know. an idea that I'm familiar with because I've tried to sort of study the, the contemporary detective novel. But outside of us, really, who are passionate about the genre, that idea of the, the P.I. In, in Los Angeles being an extension of the cowboy, isn't it's kind of getting lost. It's not a lot of people are talking about that. So I'm glad that you brought it up. Because it is, it's like the lone maverick, the sort of a restrained vigilante. If Absolutely, you, will, you know, it's, it's Shane. Yeah, it's Shane. <laughs> it's Shane. Exactly. Yeah, it's Shane. Absolutely. Yeah, well, the the great ones. We're going to take a short break here on the dinner party show, and then we will be back with more with John Wilder and his book Nobody Dies in Hollywood, which is available for pre-order. It comes out, I believe, October 9th. Is that 8th. the release date? October eighth. Mm-hmm. Right, Murder by Eric Shaw Quinn is the first, and then you can go and. Buy, we actually can My buy them both now. Mystery. And we'll be back very shortly here on The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. The internet is full of people talking about stuff they hate. So on thedinnerpartyshow.com, we've decided to launch a new feature that's all about stuff we love. That's right. It's called Christopher and Eric's Favorites. Each month, we'll recommend a variety of products we just can't live without so that you can enjoy them, too. You can visit Christopher and Eric's favorites at thedinnerpartyshow.com, and that's where you can also sign up for our newsletter and be the first to know when new favorites are added to the site. And remember, if you use any of the buy links on thedinnerpartyshow.com, a percentage of your purchase will help support the operation of the show. We take you to Breck Artery, live from the TDPS News World Headquarters. Breck? Breck Artery, TDPS News. This just in, Eric Shaw Quinn has finally finished writing that book he keeps talking about. Yes, despite what you might have heard... 
Thank you so much for reading all of that for me so I didn't have to toot my own horn. That's what friends are for. Yeah, well, let's hope you finish your book so we can celebrate its release soon as well. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you! (laughs) I finished my book last spring, you asshole! (laughs) Or maybe because of it, Eric Shaw Quinn's latest novel, Right Murder, is now available for pre-sale through thedinnerpartyshow.com. According to our sources, Right Murder is Eric's first ever murder mystery and the first in his new Right Murder Mystery series. It's the story of serial murder, Hollywood depravity, and the two most unlikely detectives in the history of mystery fiction. Angela Panderson, aging sex kitten, pop culture punchline, and nearly forgotten star, and Paige Blanche, her bitter former ghostwriter, ex-friend, and number one enemy, fight and claw mostly with each other as they plumb the depths of Hollywood's sordid behind-the-scenes world as they try to clear their names or at least get their movie deal greenlit. Right Murder is an insider's look at the ludicrous underbelly of Tinseltown and, this just in, it's a comedy. Pre-order your copy of Right Murder today through thedinnerpartyshow.com with links to all the latest sales and format options available. Right Murder. Fame is murder. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where dessert is the most important meal of the day. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And we are sitting here with John Wilder, the legendary TV writer. who is, His book is available for pre-order at thedinnerpartyshow.com. It's called Nobody Dies in Hollywood. A friend of yours by the name of Anne Rice, John, is listening and interacting with our party people on Facebook, and she says that your book has the gravitas of Chandler. Oh, wow! Thank you, Anne. <laughs> thank you. I can't. I can't tell you. I, I, I told your mom. I don't know how to thank her for her generosity. Um, it to be attempting a first novel in my eighth decade. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> And to receive the kind of praise she has given me uh, from her is, I'm overwhelmed. Well, I know that she loved working with you, that it was a joy for her to work with you. Two-way street. For the reasons you described earlier, that you were about dramatizing the work as it had been written. And you know what was really fun, Chris? We, we, in developing, and I thought, who in the heck are we going to get to play Marcel? Mm. And lo and behold, the casting director brought in a young man after several days or weeks of casting uh, named Robert Richard. Mm-hmm. And I, before I even heard him read, I said, that's Anne's Marcel. Right. And then he read beautifully. We cast him. Now, the fun was when your mom visited the set. I can't remember if you came with her. I did not. Unfortunately, okay. I was in school. Barbara. Well, <laughs> stupid I hate school. That. Stupid I hate school. school. Right now, I right. met her. Walked Big her onto the to the stage, just as a rehearsal was ending, and Robert Richard was exiting a set, coming through a door directly to your mother. Your mother stepped right into his arms. Uh, it was it was uh, you know perfect. art and life <laughs> colliding. That's fantastic. Uh, and she had told me how it that character physically occurred to her when I think when she was riding a bus in in Berkeley. Wow. She had seen a young man with that coloring and, and uh, yeah. 
thought that would be. A... I, I think that is a book that she wrote about New Orleans when she was not living in New Orleans. I believe so. It so. has that longing in it. I mean, it's yeah. a period piece. Yeah. It was not. But I remember her describing going down there to to research it and not wanting to fly back to the Bay Area, being in the Desire <laughs> Oyster Bar, and she was she was crying because she didn't uh... want to go back the next day. And and the waitress said, "Ma'am, why are you crying?" And she says, "I have to go back to San Francisco." And the waitress said, "Oh, what I would give to trade places with you." <laughs> have to go back to San Francisco. Right. I, 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 when she, I want to go home, I like reading an Anne Rice book because yeah, it she, takes me back to Louisiana. She it's clearly such a hadn't vivid. left her heart there, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So this is the first of a series you're planning. Now, how far in advance have you planned this oh, series? Oh, I have not. I have, <laughs> I have not. I, I wanted to write a book to see if I could write a book. I mean, in screenwriting, we deal with character and plot, and they mm-hmm. have to meld. I mean, everything that I write on my own has always come out of character. When I did Streets of San Francisco, I guess I did 77, the first 77 shows. Every episode began with the Newsy in Union Square, the lobster fisherman, the North Beach poet, mm-hmm. the female impersonator at Finocchio, Some always out of character. Mm-hmm. Had to be a murder. You know, it had to be solved as a crime. Right. Always out of character. And um, I wanted to see if I could I wanted to see if I could do it. And I, I had to right. I had to write it to find out if I could. And I I think television is is the novelist medium. It is long form. Like seventy seven episodes it is, is now. an epic amount of, of to to sustain Michael Douglas's and Carl Malden's characters and developed them over time. Obviously, you had the case of the week and those that aspect of the show we, has to be a part of it. But to expand something over that, that's that's quite an achievement in it, terms of novelization. It's really gotten better lately. I mean, the shows that are on the air now are just masterfully done. I have two great friends, Howard Gordon and Alex Ganza, um, who created Homeland. And that show is just brilliant. Mm. Um, and it is novelized. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It is that um, sort of expanding. The Streets was not. Every episode had a beginning, middle, and end. Uh, I was worked for a gentleman named Quinn Martin, who was the best producer working in television at the time. He had more on the air than any studio. I remember that name. Uh, yes. Well, you would, because every every the episode FBI. began with the FBI. a Quinn was, Martin production. Absolutely. They and it said was vocal that. as well as on screen. Um, he always said to me, John, get your name out there. I never could get into the uh, the, the tub thumping for myself. But but I was going to say, the the uh, Quinn said, stay out of the kitchen. Because I used to say, I had worked on a show called Peyton Place for four oh, years. Yeah, I really kind right, of right. learned to write under the tutelage of a fellow named Paul Monash, who was a playwright and, and golden age of TV, Playhouse 90. And we found for four and a half years, we kept those characters going. It was, right. it was again, nighttime soap opera. Still. One week, we were on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday night. And we were one, two, and three in the National Nielsen. So that mm. tells you that continuing story had an audience. Right, and then right. I used to say to Quinn all the time, look, let me take the principles of Peyton Place and we do a cop show about it. And he said, no, stay out of the kitchen. Cop shows do not want to be serialized. You don't want to know the cops. You want to know the crime. Oh. And meanwhile, a, a friend of mine, not a close friend, but a, but a, a 
a friend, Stephen Bochco, was right. pitching the same idea to yeah. somebody else, and right. they listened. <laughs> Literally <laughs> just thinking of him. Yeah. It was like, man, yeah. Hill Street Blues. No, and I saw that, and I thought, the, yeah. mm, Stephen did it. <laughs> I remember being told a similar thing. I remember pitching a show about a journalist and being told, no, nobody likes journalists because they can't fix it. They, they said they want the cops because the cops can at least bring about some resolution. And I know someone's going to do some great show about journalists that's going to bust that prejudice. You Lou know. Grant stayed on for a while. I know, right? Loved Nobody likes journalists. I think it, it's, it puts them at the scene. I think it's just like with cops. It puts them at the scene of the drama yeah. for whatever purpose, and then they can be involved to the extent that they're going to well, be involved. The, the difference probably is that um, cops, doctors, lawyers are life and death. Mm-hmm. A journalist... If you involved him in a life and death situation every week, might stretch credibility. Right. They had that show early edition where he got the. Uh, it was like oh a psychic God. show. He got tomorrow's headline and he had to do something, do about, something it. about it. it. That was that, clearly was somebody's really... way around that. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe the um, the women's murder club wasn't one of them a journalist. Yeah, they were a team. So I right? guess the, you yeah. you have to team them up with. But a detective. I think it's I think it's a good point. But I think we're always surprised by what somebody does to bust the genre another step forward. Oh yes, you know it's always yeah. it's always interesting. If you could but do to... uh, all the president's men every week successfully, it'd be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really got movie written all over it then. that's a, <laughs> a much more concise story no. speaking of concise story yes. Hollywood nobody dies in Hollywood yes. let's talk about nobody dies in Hollywood like let's let's talk about well, just the, that let's talk about a, how the idea came you said the idea first came to you when uh, the the O.J. Simpson the Nicole Simpson murder yes, broke yes back in 90 what was that four or something god yeah it's been a while uh, the first um News release that I saw on it was Nicole Simpson and friend found murdered. <laughs> oh, God. And just as a father, Heartless. I thought, what is that? You know, yeah. you, he's nameless. Uh, right. We're only concerned with celebrity. Mm-hmm. You know, Nicole Simpson is married to a celebrity, so she gets the headline, and the poor guy who's slaughtered yeah. right along with her, not a mention, don't know his name. That bothered me. And I always thought it would make a good a good story, and so my uh, my nobody and nobody dies in Hollywood is a bit player, mm-hmm. and he is murdered alongside uh, a mega celebrity, mm. and treated as a nobody. And my father of the boy is estranged from him actually, but he uh, calls my private detective because he's been told that he has some connections in Hollywood. So he hires him uh, to find the truth, and as you love know, that premise. Yeah, that's would love what the that protagonist premise. has to do is uh, take truth, look for truth to peril. Right? right, absolutely. Okay, here's the question that's going to hopefully bring it all full circle. Oh gosh, do you wanna, do you want to <laughs> adapt this for television? Uh, would you I, let somebody else adapt it for television? Yeah. Heck no. <laughs> no, I'm not, I don't know about that. I, I haven't thought about it in terms of film. People ask me all the time. I really haven't. I just wanted to put put this protagonist out there and see if he could uh, do the job he's supposed to do. And I kind of like him. I, I enjoyed walking around in his skin. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, is he still walking around up there in your head? That's how you know mm-hmm. you want to write about him again is yeah. they don't leave. Yeah, I, I love the idea of stepping up for the parent, though. I they, I, that was the thing that really, when I was reading in the descriptions of the book, that was the thing that really got me well, because you, that that relationship really, 
that that's the one that always grabs me off the screen. You know, the to lose a child is bad enough, but to lose a child in that way and then have the world just ignore them. Like, yeah, yeah, but the thing is that so and so died too. Like that's that to be an advocate for somebody who's who is nobody. And I try to touch on um, on the importance of parenting in that several of the characters, major characters, were all parented differently. Mm-hmm. And well, I won't go past that. But anyway, yeah, no, I, yeah, that, because that, it's that a mystery. You have to but I mean, this is this is the thing that people. I mean, this is not to keep cheerleading for Ross McDonald. Is that the detective novel can bear the weight of these issues, and it always oh, yeah. has. I mean, the, the the reductive view of it is that it's just about bang bang. No, know, no, hot no, no, no. Who cares but, who killed right, Cock Robin? Right. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> I want to know the guy. Who, right. <laughs> Um, on our Facebook page, Miguel Dore. God, I hope I pronounced your name right after all these years, Miguel. Uh, John Wilder starting his first novel in his eighth decade. Bravo. And note to anyone under 65 who <laughs> wants to write, just do it. Right? <laughs> here, here. <laughs> John, thank you so much for driving in from Santa Barbara to join Guys, us this evening. Th- thank you for having me. I, I, I must say, listening to you before I stepped into the room, it's like, oh my gosh, they're on the fast track. I'm coming out of the pit from a dead stop. <laughs> anyway. It's a fun really? show. You guys are terrific, and Thank thanks for having so me. Thank, Thank you, you so much. I really appreciate it. We want to let everybody know that Right Murder Madness continues next week. We'll be joined by more mystery novelists, the Jan Burke Ooh. and Marsha Clark, who Excellent. some of you may remember as the famed OJ prosecutor. Will be back. They've we'll be back to the OJ Simpson been on this trial. show. We bring always it's a new theme. All OJ all the time. Uh, they will be back. They will also tell us their uh, three favorite mysteries. We heard John's tonight, and we will be adding those to the favorite section of our site, thedinnerpartyshow.com, which is now fully mobile compatible, I might Very add. excellent. Absolutely. Eric Shaw Quinn, any final thoughts? You know, I just <laughs> think that if you haven't ordered your copy of Right Murder, <laughs> now's a good time. Or Nobody Dies in Hollywood. Or Nobody Dies in Hollywood. Both of them are coming out this October, so you've got your fall reading all scheduled. Two great murder mysteries available for you um, in the next uh, 30 days. Absolutely. And we want to remind everyone of the sad passing of Jackie Collins this uh, yesterday. In fact, uh, and in tribute to her, we will be re-airing our interviews with her Absolutely. immediately following the show, and they'll run She's in rotation wonderful, all wonderful week long guest. for the show. She was lovely, and um, yeah, we were lucky to have her. I'm Christopher Rice, and I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and you've been listening to the Dinner Party Show. Thanks.